Well, it is great to be back here again. We just, Janny and I love coming here and so many of you we know quite very well. And uh, so what a, what a privilege it is for us to be here today. And um, I would like to speak on the first four Beatitudes of the Sermon on the Mount in, found in Matthew chapter five. And I'd even say before I start that this passage of the Bible is definitely the passage that has affected my life the most out of any passage in the entire Bible. Uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones would say, to understand the New Testament, you need to understand the Sermon on the Mount. And to understand the Sermon on the Mount, you need to understand the Beatitudes. It's really where a lot of people, go, where a lot of man-made religion goes wrong. And these first four Beatitudes, Jesus tells us, this is the person who is blessed. It's a bit of a shock, actually. Nine times he says, blessed are. The one who made us knows who's blessed and who's not blessed. And so we need to really listen carefully because the world will tell you differently who's blessed. If you were to go outside on the streets today and read here and you say, I want you to finish this statement. I want you to finish when I say, blessed are the, you finish the statement. Well, a lot of people would say rich, famous all these other, there'd be many, many answers to that question. But I think a lot would say those who have money or those who have pleasure, those who have popularity, whatever. But social media would, I mean, years ago, if, when we didn't know the lives of a lot of people, I remember reading as a young man, the stories of the famous. And you thought, I remember thinking, that is so sad. And really, the more rich you are, the sadder you're going to be. And we find that often. You find the people that are taking their own lives are people that have reached those places and realized, this does not satisfy me. Mick Jagger, I think he, he was always a great preacher in that he says, I can't get any satisfaction, even though I try and I try and I try. He's truthful. Solomon in the Bible, he had, they said in his day, silver was so abundant that it was like gravel there was you read the amounts of gold that he had in his kingdom it's it's unfathomable he uh, horses were more the vehicles then and chariots he had more horses and chariots and you could even palaces and he had it all he, he had a thousand wives he chose from the most beautiful ladies all over the world he was known as the wisest person on earth and what did he say at the end of his life Vanity, vanity, or emptiness, emptiness. All is emptiness. Outer circumstances do not bring inner joy. And so the blessedness that Jesus is talking about here is not, not to do with outer circumstances. It's an inner blessedness. It, it literally means, oh, how happy. And you're going to, I mean, it's a bit surprising when you read it. He starts out, and this is... The beginning of all blessedness. You cannot be blessed eternally. You cannot be blessed inside without this beatitude. And it all begins. Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You will never truly be blessed unless you've been blessed with poverty of spirit. And so I think if Jesus says this is the person that's blessed, we better get to know what does this mean? Because it is a bit shocking. We find in this, the next one, oh, how happy are the sad. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. <clears throat> That's a total contradiction. 
It's a paradox. And we find lots of paradoxes in the Bible, but that a paradox is, is a statement that seems to be <clears throat> false, but in fact, it's true. It seems to be a contradiction, but in fact, it's true. Oh, how happy are the sad? <clears throat> There's other paradoxes in the Bible where he says, if you'll surrender, you'll be free. If you die, you'll live. If you become a fool, you'll be wise. If you lay down your life, you'll find it. And some people might say, well, that's not. No, if you know God, you know those statements are absolutely true. If you want to be free, you have to surrender to God. And so here again, we find kind of like contradictions. Oh, how happy are the poor in spirit. And this word poor, it doesn't just mean poor like like. The, the widow in the widow's might, when, when she gives her two mites, they don't use that word for her because she still had two mites. Poor here is absolutely destitute. It's like the person, if you've ever been in these other countries where they're sitting beside the road. I remember when I was in Europe, there was a person sitting beside the road without legs and they would hold their hand up like this. And if nobody put money in their hand that day, they'd starve. They had no way of taking care of themselves. And they had their hand out like this in total begging for mercy to live. That's the type of poor he's talking about. Not physically poor, but blessed are the the spiritually bankrupt. That's the beginning of all blessedness. You can never be truly blessed until you've been blessed with poverty of spirit. And the reason that is, is that there's no one that can be blessed until you've met God. And the only way to God is to realize you have nothing in yourself that can save you. If you look at every single religion, well, even the religion of money, or like we said, blessed are the rich, somebody that thinks they're going to make themselves happy by making a bunch of money or humanism or any of these, or any religion you look at. If you boil down every single religion in the world, they're all based, every man-made religion, they're all basically the same. It's man in his pride trying to reach to God. They might have a little differences, but if you boil it down, it's exactly that. It's based totally in pride. And that's why there's so much fighting and wars and comparing and competing in religion. There's such division because it's rooted in pride. I am going to reach God and he's not God anymore. You're God because you reached him. You're the center. It's pride. And all the lists that you do this, 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 they're all different, but they're all basically the same. I will be, it started with Satan. I will be like the most high God. I will reach heaven. And that will, that will be, you'll never get to heaven that way. There's no one who can reach God. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. True biblical salvation is exactly opposite to that. It's God reaching down to man because man could never reach God. God in his great love, sending his own son, God, the son, the son of God, who like the hymn says, he emptied himself of everything but love. There is no, no one could even speak of the humility that is. The almighty king of kings, the king of glory, leaving all the splendor of heaven and coming down and being a, becoming a man for you and me. He lived a perfect life on our behalf because we couldn't. And the only way he could be the perfect sacrifice is that he lived a perfect life. And he lived it for us. And then he died a cruel death. 
as it was prophesied all the way through. He died and he shed his blood. And his cruel death was nothing compared to him taking the sins of the world upon himself and the wrath of his father was put on him. You talk about love. You talk about humility. The wrath of God was put on Jesus Christ for you and for me so that we could go free. And at that moment, it was finished. God came down to man and God reached man. That's salvation. And you cannot reach God in your pride. The only way you can come to God and have eternal life forever is when you humble yourself in poverty of spirit. And you say, God, I cannot reach you. So I surrender my life. I turn to you with all my heart. And I trust fully and only in what the Lord Jesus Christ did for me. He's the champion. It's all about him. And that's the the core of humility. Religion is such pride. But the only way to be truly blessed, the only way to have eternal life is when you turn to him and you trust fully, you humble yourself and say, I trust fully and only in him, in Christ alone. And at that moment, you're born again. You are blessed. Blessed are the poor in spirit. At the end of you is the beginning of God. And so the only way ever to be blessed is when you come to the end of yourself and you realize I'm absolutely bankrupt spiritually and I need him. And so it says, blessed are they that mourn next. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are they that mourn. Because sometimes, you know, we see that poverty of spirit and we just say, that's okay. That's all. I'm, I'm just the way I am. But with the poverty of spirit, then comes the mourning over our sin. And that's what leads us to the blessed of the meek. It's that point where you say, I can't save myself. We mourn over our sin. We humble ourselves before God and we hunger and thirst after his righteousness, the righteousness of Christ alone, and we're saved. You see those first four beatitudes, that's the only way you can ever be saved. Oh, how happy are the poor in spirit. Oh, how happy are they that mourn. Oh, how happy are the meek, the ones that humble themselves in repentance toward God. And oh, how happy are they that by faith, they hunger and thirst after the righteousness of Christ alone, and they're born again. And you're saved. And at that moment, the Holy Spirit of God comes into your life and changes you from the inside out. Religion is just trying to make the outside look good. There's so many ways that we, yeah, and you, we can see pictures of poverty of spirit, of mourning, of meekness and hungering and thirsting. We can see it in the Bible. If you remember when Peter was fishing with Jesus and he'd fish, or he fished all night and then Jesus came onto the boat and he said, go back out and Peter, it's not the time to fish. And he says, but because you say so, I will. And they went out and they caught so many fish. And remember at that moment, he realized this is God himself. And he said, depart from me, Lord, from a sinful man. That's poverty of spirit. Isaiah, you see all the woe is Jerusalem. Woe is Moab. Woe is all these places. But when God really met Isaiah, 
It was woe is me. That's poverty of spirit. When we come to the place where we realize I need God so badly. And we humble ourselves before him and we're born again. That truly is the most blessed person on earth. Is the first four beatitudes. And so I, I wanted to, because I, I believe many here are born again, are saved. And so the only way to, and if you want to pray, if you have loved ones that don't know Christ, you pray that God, you, you hear this all the time, God bless America, God bless America. I think they're thinking differently than what God's thinking. If God was really to bless America, he would bless them with poverty of spirit, with mourning, with meekness, and a hunger and thirst after righteousness. And it wouldn't usually come. I know in my own life, I was lost and my dad and mom were, they loved God. They'd, I'd watched their lives tra- being transformed by God. My dad was an alcoholic and he was completely changed. And I saw it all. And I rejected God. And I was out of my home. I was living here in Red Deer. My brother and I had business in Red Deer in Calgary. And my dad was so concerned about me and he didn't have any more. Well, he had a lot of influence on me still because of his life, but he, I wasn't in his home anymore. And he began to pray for God to bless me and save me and my brother. And I'll tell you, I look back now and I see it. God began to bless me with poverty of spirit. All the things that I was trying to find fulfillment in, they just dried up and, and everything became so empty. And I thought it was the worst time of my life. But in fact, God was blessing me with poverty of spirit, with tremendous mourning. I, I, I looked at my life and I could not believe how I'd ruined it. And I thought, oh, this is terrible. I hate this. But God was blessing me. And my mom and dad were praying for me. And it was the best thing that ever could have happened to me. And then I came to that place in the poverty of spirit in the morning. And I came to the place in the Bible where I, in Galatians 5, where it says, the lust of the flesh are all these things, or the, the deeds of the flesh are all these things. And I thought, I do all those things. It says, those that do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And I thought, I'm going to hell soon. The poverty of spirit in the morning were almost overwhelming. I could, the tears were just pouring down my face. And I thought, I'm lost. I'm damned. And I don't even know if I can ever go to God because I've turned my back on him for so long. But then I read the passage where it says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. And I remember thinking, I stopped at joy and peace. I thought, I have no idea what those are. Joy and peace. I've seen it in Christians, but I've never known that myself. Lasting joy or lasting peace. And I just cried out to God. I humbled myself before God. And I said, if you'll take me, I will give my whole life to you. And at that moment, it was, I don't, and I know God doesn't do this for everyone, but I needed it because I didn't know if I committed the unpardonable sin. I thought I had, but I said, God, if you'll take me, please save me. I give you my whole life and I trust in you. And at that moment, I was, it was like a waterfall of joy came over my life. I couldn't stop crying for weeks. Every time I'd think about it, I couldn't contain myself. And I I think, oh, how happy. All these other things I thought were going to make me happy and I chased every one of them. And it made me more empty. And then 
God bless me with poverty of spirit, with true mourning. And I humbled myself before God in meekness. He blessed me with meekness, a proud young man that God broke. And I hungered and thirsted after righteousness, and I was filled, just like he said. The word of God is true. And I don't, it doesn't, because I say it's true, because it's happened right in my life, just the way he said. No, but when you realize that, it's the most beautiful thing. And oh, how happy, that doesn't say enough. When you're right with God, just read what David says. Blessed is the man whose sins are forgiven. It's true. And one day when you stand before God, you will truly know that blessed is the person whose sins are forgiven. So, yes, it's absolutely true. Oh, how happy are the poor in spirit. Oh, how happy are they that mourn if you're mourning over your sin. Oh, how happy are the meek and oh, how happy are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness for they shall be filled. But I want to speak now, it doesn't end at salvation. That continues on for us as Christians. And sometimes we can start out just humbled before God, hungering and thirsting after his righteousness. And then we slowly, like Paul said, you foolish Galatians, having begun in the spirit, are you now made perfect in the flesh? We can start moving back into man-made type religion and I'm going to live for God in my own strength and I'm going to do this. And, and sometimes God has to bless us again. And maybe you're here today. It happens to me all the time where I get cold. And God has to bless me again. And if you're here today and you're, you, and I know Pastor Ben and Joel and Ke- Kevin and all the different guys that I pray with so much, uh, we're praying, Lord, for revival. Lord, revive us again. We pray that, pray that. And, and some people think when you pray for revival, it's the top blowing off. It might but it's always the bottom falling out first. We think revival, there's going to be the other. No, you start praying for revival. You may not know what you're praying for. Same as my parents praying for me to get saved. They were basically praying for my life to go right into the toilet. And it was the best thing that ever happened to me. Because sometimes poverty of spirit only comes and that morning only comes because as many as I love, first I'll convict you, but then I'll chasten you. And it's the greatest thing God can ever do for you. But sometimes we get lukewarm, we get cold. And if you are praying for revival, if you're praying for God to fill you with his spirit, you're praying for poverty of spirit. Because that's the process God always takes. That's the route he takes. That's the only way to be blessed. And so sometimes after we've been Christians for a while, we say, oh, look how good I'm doing. We're like the fair, I thank you, God, that I'm not like these other people are. And then there's the, the publican just beating on his chest saying, God, be merciful. We lose that. We lose that poverty of spirit. We lose that mourning over sin. And you know, whenever we can get to the place where we're doing things that used to break our hearts and now we can do them and it doesn't even bother us. We need revival. We need God to bless us with poverty of spirit again. We need God to bless us with mourning. You know God's working when there's tears back in the church over sin. And not just the grievous sins. Gossip in God's eyes. You look at, you look at the thing God hates. Oh man, gossip and lying, pride. Those are the, he, he puts those at the top. 
But sometimes when we, we're just like the religious, we try to make the outside look good because now the inside's gotten cold. We've lost that blessedness. And God needs to bless us again with poverty of spirit. Where we're absolutely in need of him every day. Where we mourn over our sin again. And we're humble and broken before God, that meekness, totally abandoned to him. And hungering and thirsting after his righteousness, after his Holy Spirit to fill us for his glory. And we're filled. So when we start praying for revival, for God to move in our midst, God will bless us again with poverty of spirit. That place where we're so needy, where we can't wait to get alone with God because we need him. We're not trusting in our past and the great, we're trusting in him today. That's what abiding in Christ is. And sometimes he has to bring that mourning again. Remember David? He'd got that. Even David, this man after God's heart, fell into sin. And then he said, I, I got so cold, my, I, my bed was wet with tears at night. He aged. He, he, he writes all these things. He, it's just such a beautiful picture. And then God met him. And sometimes he uses other people, Nathaniel. And he broke again. And God created in him a clean heart again and renewed a right spirit within him. He didn't cast him out of his presence, but he, he brought back the joy of his salvation. All of us need that. Beatitudes aren't just a one-time thing. They're a, they, someone called them the beatitude attitudes. We want to stay there where we're totally dependent upon him. Our hearts are totally broken by sin and we stay humble and surrendered and hungering and thirsting after him. But maybe you're saying today, that is definitely not me right now. Well, could you do something? You pray. You maybe have a loved one. You start praying, God bless them. Be prepared to see what God, God, it's not easy sometimes to come to God and don't stop what God's doing in your loved ones. If he starts to bless them with poverty of spirit and with mourning, you stay, keep your hands off and let God do his work. So many times, well-meaning parents or friends ruin what God's trying to do. But if you are here today and you're asking now, I need, Lord, I want you to bless me again. Then let him. Remember what he said to the church? This is our church. This is me so often. When he said to the Laodicean church, I got something, you're lukewarm. I hate lukewarm, he says. I'll, I'll vomit you out of my mouth. Lukewarm is bad. Cold, he said, that doesn't dishonor me. If you don't talk, speak of me and you just live your own life, that doesn't dishonor God. Hot, that really honors God. But lukewarm, that dishonors God. That keeps others from knowing God. He says, you, you think that you're rich and increased with goods and need of nothing, but you see again, poverty of spirit. You think this, you think everybody's poor in spirit. It's whether you see it or not. You think you're rich in this and this, but you're not. You're poor and wretched and miserable and blind and naked, he said. The, 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 the worst person you can deceive is yourself. When you get so cold, sometimes you don't even know it. 
and it takes God to bless you again. How did I get here? How did I get this cold? How does, how does this not bother me anymore? And God has to bless us again with poverty of spirit, with true mourning again. And so he said, I counsel you now. You've deceived yourselves. You think this way, but you're not that. You're this. I counsel you to buy gold tried in the fire, he said. Trials. The refiner's fire, that is not fun. But it produces pure gold. And sometimes God's doing things in my life and in your life, and we don't even see it. We're, oh, no, why is this happening? And it's God's great love to bless you again. He's not, you're his child. He's not going to let you go. He's not going to let you fall away. Just like as many as he loves, he convicts them and he chastens them. First he convicts you, and then he, he steps in because he loves you. So he said, I count you to buy gold tried in the fire and then put on white raiment, the righteousness of Christ. Sometimes we can get that fake again going, just fake. I know how it's supposed to be because I've been there. I know what it's supposed to look like because I've been there, just like the religious. It's all a fake. He wants the inside. He wants everything. He wants right here. And I can do it too. I know what it's like to walk close to God and we can fake it. But he says, I counsel you to buy white garment, the righteousness of Christ. And then I salve that you might see. When you put I salve on your eyes, it hurts. That conviction. But then you're able to see. That's what the church needs. That God would just open our eyes again and show us our poverty of spirit. Bring us back to himself. And so if you're here today and you're saying, boy, that's, I've gotten cold too. I need God to bless me again. Then pray. God, would you bless me again? I want to be close to you again. I want to be filled. And just watch this process that God will do in your life. The poverty of spirit, the mourning. Whenever God's about to move and you can see it happening. Some people, right now, I believe God's moving in hearts. There's some that are saying, no, I don't want this, walking away. But there's others that God is taking them deep. And he's blessing with poverty of spirit. There's this, if you have this, I'm not satisfied now. I'm not satisfied with fake anymore. That's a good thing. That's a great thing if God's doing that in our lives. If your heart's being broken again by things that never bothered you before, that's a great thing. God's moving in your life. That's revival. He's trying to bring you to that place where you surrender, that meekness. That's what the poverty and spirit in the morning are for, is to bring you to meekness, where you surrender and abandon again fully to God. And then you hunger and thirst after his righteousness, not after the world, not after this. There's so many times we get hungering and thirsting after the wrong things. But God in his great love comes in brings us back and we hunger and thirst after his righteousness and we're filled. Like the Bible says, if you believe on me as the scripture said, out of your innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. That's what God wants for my life and your life. My life will not impress anybody. My life will turn people away from God. But his life 
rivers of God flowing out of your life. We, we're so often we're lying to it. That's what God wants for every one of us. And we, we, we read that passage and it doesn't even affect us. Like rivers, I do not have rivers of living water flowing out of my life right now. And so that should bring us to the place where we say, dear Lord God, touch my life, help me so that my life will glorify yours. That's, so if you're praying for God to fill you with his spirit, there's so many different words, the, the fullness, the, the, you know, the abundant life, revival, the filling of the spirit, walking in the spirit, baptizing the spirit, whatever words you want to use, the life that will glorify and honor God with, filled with him. There's a process that God will begin in your life. Let him do that work. And so if you could pray this week, we're going to continue on next week, but will you bless me, God? Don't get any preconceived ideas of what that might mean. Lord, bless me. And he'll start with poverty of spirit. However, he needs to do that. And mourning. Because he's trying to get you to meekness, surrender, and fully hungering after him. So begin to pray that. Pray, Lord, I need you to bless me in this way. And I want you to be, bless my family. I want you to bless my neighborhood. And when he does start blessing and touching people, you need to be ready because you watch when every time you start praying for someone, the thing you're looking for is that poverty of spirit to begin to happen. Then they're more open to talk. If God was to bless Red Deer with poverty of spirit, that's really what we'd call pouring out his spirit on a community. He convicts. When he starts to convict, man, he can do more in a couple moments than we can do in our lifetime. But that's what happened. Remember with David, after God created him a clean heart, renewed a right spirit with him, didn't cast him away from his presence, but he stored unto him the joy of his salvation. And, and then he was able to do what God asked him to do. And then he said, then sinners will be converted to his way. God has no trouble saving people, but usually he begins with his church. The church, the church often is telling the world, repent, repent. And the world says, you go first, it will follow right behind you. They want to see reality. The world is not stupid. When they see reality and when God begins to move in us, then often he begins to move in the community. But his blessed way, his way of blessing is poverty of spirit. So as you start to pray for yourself, let God work. As you pray for others around you, watch for that poverty of spirit. And when they begin to mourn, they're prepared. They're ready for the gospel. It's a beautiful thing to watch somebody. You pray for somebody and then all of a sudden, you, you pray for your kids or you pray for people that God has saved them and you begin to see that poverty of spirit like he did in you. That's the greatest thing God can ever do for your children is bless them with poverty of spirit. Bless them with mourning and then be ready to help them. So it wasn't quite as exactly the way I was hoping to say it today, but those first four Beatitudes are the truly the blessed. And so I encourage you this week, pray that God will bless you and pray that God will bless those around you and bless this church. This church is prayed for a lot.
And I'm trusting that God's going to use you in this community for his glory. So I'd just like to close in prayer now. Dear Lord, I just thank you so much for your beautiful word and for your great love towards us. How many times have you had to bless us again with poverty of spirit, Lord? Thank you. Bless each one of us here, Lord, with poverty of spirit, with true mourning over sin, that we'd hate sin with a perfect hatred like you do. And that it would break our hearts when we're not walking close to you. Bless us with meekness, Lord, that every one of us would be abandoned to you. Forgive me, Lord. When we've seen so much, we've seen you do so much, and yet we, we go our own way so often. And Lord, bless us with a hunger and thirst after your righteousness, that every one of us in this room might be filled, not just filled, but overflowing, like you said, rivers of living water, rivers of your Holy Spirit flowing out of our lives. Forgive me, Lord, so often where there's no rivers in my life. They're not even a trickle. So God, would you revive us, we ask. Would you, would you just touch our hearts this week? And Lord, we all have loved ones that we're praying for you to bless as well. We have neighbors. We ask you, Lord, really, we ask you to bless the whole here of central Alberta with tremendous poverty of spirit, with mourning, with meekness and with a hunger and thirst after you. And help us to have our eyes open to those around us who you're working in, that we'd be there ready to share and help. Thank you for this wonderful church of Unity Baptist. Thank you for Pastor Ben and all the, these beautiful people who really do love you. But I pray there will be a powerful, powerful revival in this church that would affect not only Red Deer, but the whole world. I thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>